This is episode 67 of the All Around Podcast, talking television and film. Um, I watched like 60% of one thing and Ted Lasso. What did you watch? The 60% or more than me. So oh, I was I, watching I, some dessert show on Netflix. Um, great. Produced out of Australia. It's like. Oh, okay. There, were there any like good jokes? I feel like Australians, they always have, they always have a good sense of humor about things. No. Um, it, it, the, the only thing that's weird is when you see, um, they had this young lady who was a student who was clearly like a, one of these people that get into Harvard because she's like a, like, she's like into chemistry and all this stuff. She gets straight A's. She, she plays violin and does all this. And for her hobby, she makes these ultra high end artistic desserts. She's like 18 or 19. You're like, Oh, tiger bombs really whipped your ass clearly. But she's interesting because she speaks with this really thick Australian accent. And she's like of Chinese extraction, which reminds me of that one, uh, that one guy I worked with who um, was the guy who was Japanese, but mm. he was born and raised in Germany and he was working for the institution I worked at. And so you would just see this Japanese guy, but he literally sounded like, you know, more uh, Werner Herzog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because he would almost whisper and stuff. So, so there is this weird sort of, you know, the, the, the synapses in your brain are sort of freezing out because it's like, <laughs> I'm just not expecting right. this uber thick German accent speaking English, but the dude's like Chinese or Korean or, 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 or some Asian uh, country. And so it's interesting to see her because it's like this really thick Aussie sort of thing. And yeah, but it's... Well, that's James Wan. If you ever see an interview with James Wan, he's he's Australian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, it shouldn't be that weird because it's not like Australia is all that far from, you know, those other yeah. countries. So it's... Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting to see that. And then he starts, you know, ein, like ein, nine, no, vine, whatever. Speaking like that, Schlankly, clankly. Yeah, no. no, it's was very. He talked much like this because you could tell, like he was English. The guy I worked with English was still kind of kicking his ass because English is like it's a very a difficult language. language to learn because, like, the tenses and you don't yeah, because you think the past. You know, the past tense of think is thought. The past tense of drink is drank or drunk and stuff. It, but it's the same type of. And, think and drink sink you know so how, how do you think like the europeans like the the people in europe that are learning the queen's english would respond to speaking to someone who says oh yeah she been done had that like boom head yeah, exploded yeah, exactly. brains all over the wall i mean it's like this sort of weird colloquial slang stuff that um I think they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that, that, that said, there is a very weird aura of authority that well, people that people like give to people. If they speak in an English accent, somehow people think they are like 30 IQ points smarter because the English accent just sort of. Not when it's, you know, like. The... Well, 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 not when they sound like the fucking artful Dodger from fucking David Copperfield or something. Yeah, not when it's like. Uh... What's the don't go round round the reroute? Yeah, not when it's like that crap, like any guy Ritchie movie. Um, 
No, but they sound like the BBC when they speak to um not when they talk not when they talk about S. Yeah, no, it's 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 when they talk uh received pronunciation. Yes, exactly. Um, but speaking of the Queen's English, so the 60% thing I watched was the Green Knight, David. Yeah, so how was that? You were that was like uh so is this is this Gawain and the Green Knight sort of thing? Well, Gawain. That's Uh, that's, sure. Gawain, but this is this, this is, is like, Sir Walter Scott Ivanhoe shit, right? Or yeah, this... like they're they're speaking old English, so I had to find <laughs> Canterbury Tales. Type oh shit. my god! Like Raven was like, <laughs> we, <laughs> need, <laughs> we need <laughs> subtitles <laughs> because they're all talking like almost whispering, and like it's like we need subtitles. So a lot of words with Y T H in them and all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like from whence you came and all that, like. And like it, it's good, it, it is good, but it is so faithful and so artsy that it's kind of like it's so far up its own ass. No, it's not that it's no, it's not far that up its own ass because it's like accurate, you know, to the story. But it's just like it's just hard to attach. It's hard to get invested you know connect to the material yeah it's so hard but you know alicia vikander doing her thing helps i guess but like it's just so wait, wait um, how she how, how is she doing in that well that's show? the thing she's like a peasant girl that gawain is um i'll say gawain because people know it as Gawain. gawain is um kind of hooking up with at the beginning and then the whole idea is in the story when he goes to the residence where he stays and the guy who stays with is like I'll give you whatever I catch hunting. You give me whatever you receive in the house. And basically the woman tempts him because the fact is that his wife is resembles the peasant girl he was messing around with. It's Alicia Vikander both ways. It's not the same woman, but the whole idea is she resembles the woman he was messing around with, but she's all cleaned up and she's got this deep cut, you know, dress on. And it's kind of like, yeah, but hold on. When, so when they show Alicia Vikander as a peasant, is she still like a nine seven five, basically, just with soot on her face? You are a much bigger fan of her than I am. Not in the sense that I don't find it's not like I don't find her attractive. She's obviously attractive, but like, like I yes, you'll probably still be like, well, you know, yeah. Anyway, no, I, I no, but 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 I love I love how um, they take these. The, the movie companies take like really like hot the, women the Anne and they Hathaway, make them rough Le Miz thing right they make them like, like uh, she, well, she, ain't, she ain't Alicia Vikander but I mean um you, you know oh we're gonna ugly her up I, I mean the only the only person that that probably was really effective in was in um monster no you, uh, well, Char- yeah but it didn't help that she put on like 50 pounds for that yeah she she put on, she, she put on like 30. She, she she looked rough. No, Halle Berry in the the old Spike Lee movie where she played a crackhead and oh. was uh, Sam Jackson, which is kind of the role that Sam Jackson became. I mean, he was around, but I mean, this is the one he became. Um, Jungle Fever, I guess. Ninety one. Um, she played a uh, she played like this crackhead girlfriend, uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah, she was looking kind of rough there, but I mean. Yeah, the the giveaway is they're really rough, but the teeth are brilliantly bright white still right. and and perfectly aligned, which is exactly how people well, in the Alicia Vikander doesn't have dark perfect, middle ages or whatever. Alicia no, Vikander I, doesn't I, have like perfect teeth or anything like that, anyways. But um, but no, like it's good. It's just it's just one of those movies I can't. You know, I'm was it I'm boring? Just, 
um when he's or, doing his journey like his trek yeah it's a little boring i'm not gonna yeah. lie it is but it's it's interesting to look at king arthur through this realistic modern lens because it is i mean there are fantastical elements to it but like king arthur is was this, there a bunch of problematic stuff in it no no <laughs> but king arthur is like very he's this very like weak feeble kind of king like this is after all of his battles oh, okay like so he's he can't really hold his sword up but there's this respect obviously um but yeah so that's kind of interesting but we still got to finish it like we're not even he hasn't come to the the green knight's uh chapel at the end yet where he has to face the blow that he gave the green knight because the whole idea of the green knight is at the beginning he cuts the green knight's head off on christmas and it's like oh in one year you have to i have to return the blow to you so he cuts his head off because it's like how he's gonna return the blow the green knight picks his own head up and he's like all right one year hence and then he rides off so the next year gawain is trying to like say that oh no i'm not him i'm not him because he doesn't want to go back and face this you know uh guy who's gonna cut his head off and the whole idea in the fable is that he when the the guy who um he stays with who's like i'll give you whatever i hunt you give me whatever you, you receive in the house so the woman always tempts him to like have sex with him but he's a knight have sex with her sorry because he's a knight and he's supposed to be honorable but the the woman like gives him like two kisses or three kisses so he ends up kissing the man two kisses or three kisses but then the woman gives him a sash that says this will protect you from any bodily harm but he doesn't give the guy the sash and the whole idea is when he get to goes to get his head cut off uh it turns out to be this big joke and he is kind of called out for not returning the sash but he's like he feels like he's dishonorable because he doesn't return the sash even though because he lied in that sense he was supposed to give the guy the sash because the woman gave him the sash so then the idea is that the king arthur and all the knights because they all play the joke on him this is how the fable goes i don't think this is how the movie goes because they said they changed it in the movie the whole idea is that they're like no you're so honorable you didn't sleep with his wife like that's the whole it turns out to not really be his wife it's just a woman but you didn't sleep with his wife so that still makes you honorable but he wears the sash as kind of this kind of scarlet letter of this is when i like broke my vow kind of in terms of he wasn't honorable because he didn't give away the sash but all the knights see him as honorable because he didn't sleep with this dude's wife um okay that's kind of like how the original story goes from what i've read about this is the this is a little different they changed some stuff around so we'll see okay. but um but yeah like it was fine watch ted lasso ted lasso was good the next this coming Friday is the last episode of the season for Ted Lasso and Ted Lasso, which cleaned up at the Emmys, but uh, season one did. Uh, but this next episode has Sam Richardson in it, who played Richard Splett in Veep. So I'm kind of interested what that's going to be like. Are people like I was on social media and I haven't seen it. People are like, you know, Ted Lasso is fine, but it's just not that good. I yeah, mean, I, I never said it was amazing, but yeah. I mean, is that because yeah, but people Emmys, coming to the realization? But but is that because the Emmys is just the bar's low? There's frankly not a lot of good stuff out there, and I think there is. But a lot of these good shows don't get nominated. Like the show that I just told you that I told you about, um, Sex Education. That's a great show. It doesn't get any press. You because, got that right? Yeah, I mean, it's I saw that it was. You on saw there, that it was I, up. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But it's like what we do in the shadows doesn't really get a lot of award stuff. 
um, yet. Exactly. But it's like all the heavily marketed shows, Stranger Things, um, like The Boys doesn't really get, I mean, I'm sure The Boys was nominated for stuff, but like was Invincible nominated for anything? Like, But, but is that because it's too like um... out there? No, no. Is it because it's too poppy and of the moment and too much like Marvel or too much, too much like what is deemed as low culture and therefore we have to assign something that is high culture? I mean, not that the boys isn't any good, but the idea that, oh, superhero movies are low culture because it actually appeals to the masses and makes a shitload of money. And 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 this gets back to the whole sort of uh, hi- art hipster, versus yeah well and, and also the hipster dynamic of no no it's it's bad because too many people like too it. many people so, like it exactly so, so, sort of thing and therefore so anything that sort of dances along the edge of it or has tropes similar to it whether it's good or not it can never be acknowledged as good by the quote unquote important people. Um, because that would just show that would expose us for the reality of how shallow we actually are. Um, so, I mean, so therefore we will by design intentionally not nominate something. And I'm not saying that well, these I mean, shows maybe, deserve like, it. Game of but, Thrones was the, the ratings killer forever. And Game of Thrones kept winning. Even Game of Thrones bad season last season, one outstanding drama, whatever. So I think it's more so people have kind of, downgraded the emmys because like the emmys they kind of award what's popular anyways so i think it's like because ted lasso is super popular and shit's creek popular when it's swept it it's swept it was insanely popular it's last season and that was the season where it actually won and swept stuff that was a season that got like a 96 on metacritic and everything but like yeah but in, but 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 it was never popular until the season came out and then it was never popular until it, they put it everything became, on netflix for the last two and then the, the right. and then the last two seasons ratings jumped up because everybody had seen it on netflix right so it, yeah which I speaks mean, to an interesting interesting distribution strategy if you're a show but then right. again i mean, I mean that was though a different time where you were on regular in the television and now everything that's any good is getting bought up immediately though you didn't i didn't think you had it you didn't have like how much apple has budgeted for the next five years in the list of stories i don't think oh um, what well, is that like the 12 billion thing or something 432 or 480 million dollars is going to over the next no maybe bill, hold on it had to I, there's no way it's a million but yeah, Just, I have to. I, I, I can add it, it to this stuff, but like, um, no, I gotta pull it up. Go ahead, keep going. I'll no, uh, but I, I, I always said Ted Lasso was like a solid eight. I don't think I ever said Ted Lasso was like a 10. I think there are moments that are like 10 moments because it kind of just talks about human nature and, but like the positive side of like being honorable or being, um, kind, like kind of the power of being kind, but it does that with earnestness and not cheese and i think it's so easy to do it with cheese yeah and and i but like i think that it's a little different um so so yeah there's that but uh yeah i mean that's kind of how i feel about telasso but it's like man i need to get on what we do in the shadows because supposedly yeah. season three of what we do in the shadows is amazing and well then, and, and and that's something that's probably light enough here we are 
Apple has a $430 billion domestic spending plan over the next five years, and Apple TV Plus is a major part of it. So that is not necessarily all. That's not all content. I mean, that's that like not all. That's content. all. That's like all their shit. Yeah. Hang on, more from. I guess. I wonder if that includes the car. Well, the word is that Apple is making a serious, serious play for the NFL package, like uh, uh, going to supposedly Amazon is too. Yeah, but and I think no, but if if three weeks ago it was like Amazon's got it now I, it sounds like Apple and Amazon are battling with Apple being the favorite if only a slight favorite I think Amazon's gonna go after college stuff I think but Apple saying. Apple getting the and the other word is that Apple is going to give the ability for you to buy one team so you know what if if like hey you can get your whole season of, you can get your whole team season of games for one hundred fifty dollars. That would don't clean up. Oh, it would clean up, but you're not going to get it, right? Why would I need to get it? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's I'm, I'm, that's what I'm making sure of. But yeah, exactly. No, so little thing out there, ladies and gentlemen. Since no one listened to this, called IPTV. Find a local provider. Find a provider online and drop 15 bucks a month and get 6,000 channels, get yourself a VPN. Whatever you do, get yourself a VPN. Get IPTV. It is the biggest no fucking brainer, (laughs) even if you use it twice a month and you get regular cable, you'll keep it in your back pocket. Just get it, but get a VPN. Um, So do you want to get to the stories? Of course. So the first story I had, Cinematographers Guild, IATSE, Local 600, urges members to authorize strike. So this is a story I heard about um, this past week. So IATSE, which is... Um, a union? Yeah, it's a union. Oh, cinematographers, among others, but cinematographers. No, it's like a bunch of people. It's, it's like grips and like boom mic operators. Like It's like everybody. Mm -hmm. um they basically are they're gonna authorize a vote to strike and essentially if they do vote to strike pretty much every production is going to shut down like almost every production across the industry is going to shut down um so now it's the international cinematographers guild which is kind of like i guess a subset of iatsi uh, they said urging is them this, to... is this the case for television too and live to, like uh... yes it's like everything so is this going like, to be like you a... see this symbol you see this symbol with the mpaa symbol at like the end of every movie you see the iatsi symbol so like... so, so are we going to have the ability to have stephen colbert talk about how he fully supports the union however he's not going to still... give up one fucking dime of his 16 million dollars a year Right, he's still, and he's still going to run happen? his show. Well, no, no, he's still going to run his show. And hey, you know what, Steve? You know, you could, and, and this is a great bit in broadcast news where there's a strike. So the movie Broadcast News, which is a great James Brooks movie from the late, middle, late 80s with Holly Hunter, William Hurt, Jack Nicholson has a nice little, I won't say cameo, he's in it for a few bits. Um, Albert Brooks, who's has a wonderful flop sweat swing. I highly recommend Broadcast News. It holds up today from 87 and great pictures of BWI, by the way, um, from when I was a teenager. Um, 
but uh are great a few scenes of old what old bwi looked like if if you care which alex i know you could care less about but um th there's a part in the movie where there's a strike taking place and uh jack nicholson plays i would call it a dan rather sort of person that basically has the national news on call it a cbs you know because you know it was the i couldn't even tell you who that talking heads are on news now because um the days of the guy who or the person walter cronkite who, yeah the walter cronkite or the dan rathers or the tom, tom brokaw's yeah yeah or uh yeah um um but so he plays this Dan Rather type. And there was a joke that basically said, well, you know, you don't, it was a bunch of layoffs that were taking place because they had to cut expenses. And, and he said, he said something, yep, yep. I feel bad. It's terrible that you're leaving. And then it was like, you know what? I mean, if you just want to take like a 15% pay cut, we wouldn't have to hire anyone. And then he was, Jack was just offended beyond belief mm. that anyone would that he would be expected to sacrifice anything for his co-workers so um it, it, it would be funny to see like as this goes down all of the um you know i would say the screeching that your um jimmy kimmel's i i, I don't expect fallon to say anything well that was the funny thing a so when the writer is making almost 20 fucking million a year but well, no it's he, like he ain't gonna do shit when the um when uh when conan did his thing during the writer strike like conan he because that was when everybody gave john stewart a bunch of guff because john stewart went out and said well i support i have their back or whatever he got and paid a million bucks a year he did not exactly yeah. make a shit ton of money well no but let me get there so john so stewart sorry john stewart basically said this like um like i i'm behind you or whatever and Seth MacFarlane ended up making a joke about on Family Guy. It's like, uh, it's like this. It's like one of those cutaways where Peter has a horse leg, and Brian walks up behind them, and Peter kicks him. He goes, "Brian, I'm sorry, but what did I tell you about coming behind my horse leg or whatever?" And it was this joke about John Stewart being behind his workers or something, mm -hmm. staying behind him. And John Stewart supposedly called Seth MacFarlane and was just like absolutely lit into him. And Seth MacFarlane was like, whatever, dude. It's like, you know, you're not paying your people while they go on strike, so whatever. So I guess what Conan did, and this is another reason why Conan is very beloved, is he still continued his show without the writers. And that was when he was doing his whole spin the coin to see how long it lasts because he didn't have jokes. He messing with the camera operator. So he, he would have the cameras. It's like back to one, back to two, back to one the audience and then the audience would cheer and back to him the audience would stop he's like you know you guys stop cheering when the camera's on me it's kind of insulting or whatever and then they would play like the psycho music because they would have a camera from the back and like, you know he's doing all this stuff and people a lot of people kind of refer to his you know three weeks of him doing stuff without writers as like what your grandfather's facetiming me okay hang on did you hear what it did you hear what that was about? Uh, roughly. But There's anyways. Self-storage got sold. So we have to talk to people. So Oh, okay. Well, now we're back. <coughs> yes. Um, but, okay, so we were talking about the strike and everything. And Conan doing his whole thing. And he still kind of paid his staffers and all that stuff. But what's up? No, keep going. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. 
Because my default microphone has changed. Okay, go ahead. Right. Get a little crazy, zoomy stuff. Go ahead. So, um, as part of the thing, it says Local 600 is one of the, one of three IATSE locals with national jurisdiction. The others are the Editors Guild Local 700 and the Art Directors Guild Local 800. On Tuesday, the Editors Guild Board also voted unanimously unanimously to recommend that its members back strike authorization. Um, last week, I first of all, let me. Hold on. I had the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. There we go. Okay. I just wanted to, so I'm not, so I don't just keep saying IATSE without knowing what it is. Last week, IATSE told legislators in California that a strike would effectively shut down California state film and television production while telling legislators in New York that a strike would effectively shut down, would effectively shut down a majority of New York state's film and television production industry. Um, IATSE President Matthew Loeb told members that we are at a stage where the employers have made the struggle about power, not reason. Therefore, we are initiating a strike vote to authorize me to call one if necessary. Any thoughts? Do you think this is legitimately going to... Uh, um, are you hearing me okay? I'm sorry. You keep kind of going in and out. Your microphone will sound clear and then it sounds like echoey. Like it How, sounds- about now? How about now? Can you hear me better now? Sounds fine now. It just, it looked, it sounded like it was going back and forth between. Right. Normal... It was moving. Yeah. It was moving between a cat. It's now changing back and forth between the cat. Hang on. Well, you sound fine now. Wait. Do you want us to like come back? Mm, hold on. I just want to see something here. Cause just you're good sure. now. I just want to make sure I'm getting. All right. I'm going to pause it. Yeah. Pause it. Hold on. If it does it again, I'll. So you were saying, do I actually think anything's going to happen in terms of? Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you think they're going to settle? Because my impression is this is all threat and Hollywood sort of. I mean, this is a great position of leverage. It, it, I mean, it's sort of a, it's sort of like a, it's kind of a toss up here because at one point it's like, hey, the theaters are sort of telling the union, oh, we've been, it's been a really hard time for us. I mean, sorry, the entertainment companies have been telling the unions, it's been a really hard time with us. You need to take one for the team or whatever. But they're also like, you know what? This is just about time that y'all can start to make money. We got leverage. Let's go. That said, they both need to get paid. I think it gets settled and they just have to get to this point. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's all about negotiation and who, what, at what point do you have to be willing to walk? I, I think the union would be willing to walk. Yeah. For a window of time, a couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think they would be too. I mean, I think, but yeah, I think it'll get settled. I don't think it's because I think what's at stake and how they're trying to, with all these COVID restrictions anyways, I mean, you don't want anything to get shut down at all because you never know you could come back and stuff gets shut down because people were off the production lot and they got infected or they had breakthrough cases or something. And, and then, I mean, no, I'm just saying if that stuff happens, production still shuts down. I'm not right. saying it should, but it still does. Right. So like, that's another big reason why I think it's going to get settled. But I mean, I just, I just remember hearing about that. It's like, wow. I mean, the two States with the most kind of filming going on. What? Eh, I mean, Cal- Georgia's, Cal- yeah. Georgia's, Georgia's probably, higher than one of those states but um what do you mean from covid no just the amount of production the amount of like film and television production that's happening there in yeah, new but, york and california but, but i think I, I don't think that the cost of living in georgia is not what it is in california i, I, I understand i'm just more i'm just talking about i'm 
I'm just saying, I said the two states with probably the most film production going on are New York and California. The only reason I mentioned Georgia is because, ah, you know, Georgia might be ahead of one of those states because everybody's moving to Georgia for the film tax credits. Yes. So, um, but yeah, the next story I had was uh, James Bond producer Barbara Broccoli said that Amazon has told us that the films will be theatrical in the future. I mean, that seems like a no-brainer. I know Amazon like likes to push stuff to their service, but whenever a movie has serious potential in theaters, they release it in theaters. Like it's not like Netflix where they want to keep everything on the service. Well, and James so, Bond needs a big screen to con- I mean, the yeah. set pieces are typically huge. It behooves Amazon to um, do stuff for the big screen. That doesn't mean like it'll only be in the big screen for a month and a half and then it's off. Right. I mean, I, I, I still think that uh, Amazon, I'm sure there's a strategy here. I think Amazon um, is kind of, this purchase was a little bit of FOMO. It's like, they're like, look, we can get money. We can, we make a bunch of money. Our cost of capital is relatively inexpensive. We can buy this. We can get some stuff. We'll get it. Well, cheap in the sense that it's cheap for us, but not as cheap for others. You know, everyone's dollar is, everyone's dollar costs uh, uh, different. You know, it's like um, if MGM was trying to go out and get money, their cost of capital, so their cost of money is a hell of a lot more expensive, more expensive than, than, Amazon. than Amazon. So Amazon- I understand, just, but, but, but- But I think Amazon though, when they're buying this, it's like, yeah, let's buy it. We'll figure it out as we go. And that is never, but like I mean, a I'm just saying like, success. you know, 8 billion for MGM. I mean, as far as kind of studios go, uh, while I don't think, I think 8 billion is a little pricey for MGM because considering that, you know, uh, I mean, Marvel being four at the time Marvel was bought is fine. Marvel, you look at Marvel now with it being four billion, it's like, oh, it's honestly worth more. But I think when Star Wars, when Lucasfilm was bought for 4.4, that's it was seen as like a total steal then. But it's like Pixar was seven and a half. No, no, no. Th- this is much more like Disney buying Fox. It's just a smaller version right. of it. And, yeah. and and at least Disney, you know, they they understand the operations of a movie studio and what you know, release strategy, cost we'll management. We'll get you like where that. you need to go. Right. As compared to Amazon, I, I don't know what the Amazon Studios infrastructure was. Was it called Amazon Studios where they just said, how much money you need? Okay, here's a check. Go make it. And That's you it. go figure it out as compared to, no, they actually have legit studio infrastructure to control. And, and not in the bad sense, but control, monitor, like like stuff ensure productions are being no, done like in a they, fashion there is this isn't like netflix i mean they they don't release just a bunch of shit every year like i mean amazon did i mean they from soup to nuts i mean they produced manchester by the sea that was amazon i'm um but 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 how much of that was amazon how much of that was where amazon itself was heavily involved in it or was it no, we're going to slap our name on it. We're going to give you the funding. Go make it. Bring it back. Here's here's $5 million. Bring it back in four months. And and we'll give you some notes, but that's about it as compared to much more engaged and involved 
in, in the functioning of a movie studio? I don't know the answer to that. My concern is, I mean, if you're did Amazon about, just buy it up and not really have the guts of it? Well, like, for example, they if didn't, you look at Apple is sort of slow. I'm sorry. Apple is sort of slowly building that infrastructure, but they're not trying to go ham. They did big. not. They did not accumulate the talent behind it. Once the talent was there, yes, they provided funding for the film. So Manchester by the Sea was Kenneth Lonergan writing this script. He got, originally he got Matt Damon attached in Matt Damon. And Ben Affleck's uh, production company attached. That was when Amazon stepped in and said, hey, we want to make this with, uh, who'd they make this? with roadside attractions they said hey we want to provide funding for this matt damon later left the project casey affleck took his role and they were like there was some you know um pause behind it and they're like no we're still going to go forward and make this i mean amazon's obviously they're doing a lot better in terms of accumulate like putting the talent behind if you're talking about getting the talent together and funding yeah amazon is kind of brand new doing that but, um, you know, going forward, they're not going to get the talent for James Bond movies going forward. They're just going to provide funding. MGM and the Broccoli's are still going to be like, okay, who's going to direct the next Bond film? They're just, yeah, I mean, they're just going to throw money behind it. But in terms of like, like their TV stuff, that's all Amazon. Now movie, the thing is they don't like, what are the movies that, I mean, so far they've just bought movies really. Like their bigger movie stuff, they're just buying movies right now. But because everything that they kind of produce is low budget stuff. Um, there was that Charlize Theron and David Oyelowo movie Gringo or whatever that was about the little weed drug or something that got like a 35%. It's like that was like a $20 million movie. Like they're not producing anything, anything big. But uh... I, I, I think what I'm I think what I'm saying is great. Amazon's going to put in theaters. This is a broader commentary about Amazon buying MGM. There's so, there's certainly something there to work with. Is Amazon really strapped up to leverage, to maximize the amount of money they're spending, or or is this kind of sort of just going to be an IP purchase that is probably going to get written down a bit um, in the future? That's all. Eh, I mean. There's going to be the James Bond game that comes out in a few years. That's going to make some money. Um, so, and Amazon's going to have its own streaming platform. Or, no, they get they own no. Switch, right? They, so, they it's 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 not that it, it, they they don't own the studio making the game. So, the guys that make Hitman, IO Interactive, they're making a James Bond game. So, they license the property out, and it's just like that game's going to kill because number one, Hitman's very good. It'll and never, it'll never be Goldeneye. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, in terms of just cultural relevance, no, it will never be Goldeneye. But the, it's the like impact. Yes, that could easily be a game that makes a billion dollars. You know, just because right. number one, IO Interactive. No, the last so the the rebooted Hitman trilogy has like the story behind that is insane. So IO Interactive has made all the Hitman games, all of them, and when they rebooted the hitman trilogy they initially released it warner brothers published it and then square enix published it and then square enix bought square enix like owned the ip for a little bit 
And then essentially IO was like, okay, we're ready to make Hitman 3 because Square Enix made Hitman 2. And they're like, well, we don't want to make Hitman 3 um, because Hitman 2 didn't perform very well when it actually did. But Square Enix has this weird, they, they think games should sell like 10 million copies. It was profitable. It did fine. It didn't do gangbusters, but it probably, it made a good amount of money. So Square Enix was like, eh, you know what? We don't value this IP. You can have the IP back and tr- try it on your own. So IO Interactive goes out and makes Hitman 3. It's like an 89 on Metacritic. It sold like 6 million copies. They full they did it fully independent, digitally released it, released it in January, killed, like absolutely killed. Essentially, the, the game made so much money, it supported like four other projects they're making. They're making a game with Xbox now called Project Dragon, which is going to be some fantasy thing. They got the license for James Bond to make a James Bond movie. And then they have two other games in development. And it's like Square Enix just totally was like, no, we don't, Hitman isn't a valuable IP. So the thing is, they got that license. And it's just, it's, it's like, Amazon can make the James Bond movies and they're going to make money, but it's about licensing that IP to other things, whether it's going to be a show a video game series or whatever, because you license that IP to IO and you basically say, yeah, you guys could fund this. Here's your IP. That's essentially your payment. We're not going to give you a hundred million dollars to make the game. We're just going to give you this great IP and we're going to take 30% of the person. Yeah. But, but is it going to be 30%? I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's no, like- it's going to be, it's probably going to be like 15 because 30% is going to go to Sony or Microsoft because they take 30% whenever you sell on their platform. So, um, but no, but it's like, even then it's like, okay, that's on, let's say that's $150 million or whatever in the bank. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. Cause that's what it's about. I mean, the, the IP makes good money in terms of you releasing content for it, but it's all about the extra, you know, it's all about the toys and the merch and all that stuff. That's where you make all that money and what you can license it for. I like the family's name, Broccoli. That's just tough. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> what a cool name. Broccoli. Yeah. Um, Iron Iron. See. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Free Guy. Free Guy's passed $300 million. $300 million. Well, Shang-Chi passed Black Widow. Yeah, I saw that. $300 million globally. Fifth Hollywood title to Milestone in 2021. And a win for original IP. Well, yeah, that's right, because it was a script. Who who wrote this? Was it the um I was listening to Sonny Bunch and he had did a podcast with a guy who wrote draft one a free guy, which was like and it's been (laughs) years ago. Yeah, I mean I mean it was Zach Penn, Zach Penn and Matt Zach Zach Penn did he did X-Men the last day and he co-wrote the original Avengers script. Uh Sonny Bunch has nice i like his podcasts are nice they're 30 to 45 minutes they're with usually with some decent hitters so i mean he, he is the one most famous for um i think no he didn't it was another guy it was jonathan b last did the one about um um comparing um uh the the jedi to essentially um uh as an islamic jihad you know you you, you know that bit right i mean 
I know. I know the thing about the Empire being the good guys. I don't know the Jedi. Well, 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 right. But but they're, they're in good guys. I don't. I don't want to do this whole Jedi Islamic Jihad thing. Like, well, no, no, no. But they're say it's all in comparison to say the Empire are the good guys because they're looking for order and things like that as compared to uh, fucking, the fucking rebels was good. Um, as compared to what the um what the um who they were fighting against mm-hmm. um and uh um, well this is a 20 reasons why okay Damn. moving on please go on i'll, I'll um, find something george Clee, brad pitt and john watts thriller package had studios and streamers bidding uh, deadline has confirmed that a John Watts directed thriller starring George Clooney and Brad Pitt is being bid upon by an array of CEOs, including Sony Lionsgate, Annapurna, MGM, the Universal and Warner Brothers on the theatrical side and streamers, Apple and Netflix. Watts is set to write, direct and produce with Clooney producing wit through Smokehouse Pictures and Pitt through his plan B entertainment. The storyline, which is largely being kept secret, follows two lone wolf fixers who are assigned to the same job. Big paydays in the eight-figure range for both stars who appeared together in the Ocean's Eleven movies are being reported. Um, this sounds like it's going to go to Apple. <laughs> yes. It's yes. Eight figures. So you're telling me like each of these guys are going to get paid like 15 million. John Watts is probably going to make five. And, and this, you're, and this you're is going to me, be. You're, this you're is trying to tell me. Of, yeah. You're trying to tell me Annapurna is going to get this. Come on. This is the cost of doing business. Right. Um, for Apple to sort of get credibility at, at, with it itself as as somebody here. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Apple's got insane money, so they could just throw just money at people. I mean, right. which gets back to sort of like the the NFL package is going to be just incredibly big. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I'm down. I mean, if it's kind of like uh, got some acerbic wit to it, like. Uh, you know, I'm, do you think you think you think it's going to be like that? Well, like kind of funny. Yeah, you think it's going to be Ocean Z sort of vibe? Uh, I mean, I hope it's a little darker than Ocean Z, but yeah, I would hope. So. I hope it's like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or something. Okay, I mean, I hope so. But uh, what was the I, thing? I'm, I'm, um, I'm. It's like, did you put a live round in that gun? He's like, yeah, there's like an 8% chance that eight, eight, who taught you math? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, because one in six is. Yeah, one in six is not eight. Um, uh, But I I think the thing one has to be relatively um, not sensitive to, but, but it's like there's a whole bunch of movies that came out that people have gotten really excited about that have been just kind of shit. Like who isn't killing them softly? um which was Brad Pitt. Like a, i don't remember anybody else i don't I remember someone else what yeah, was like the movie richard, richard jenkins was in it and Scoot what, no, McNary no, was in no, it. no no i'm thinking of what was the movie with robert redford and brad pitt where they were both like um ex fbi cia types or something like that and it was like i mean i mean i don't want people to get confused i think a lot of people can get confused with no oh my god i wish you were really excited I because know, the star power attached no. to something it could I, just, I know what you're referring blech. to you know no, I mean? like that's like like the American with George Clooney, where George Clooney plays a hitman in in Europe with all these guys. Out. But it's people were expecting this action thriller when it's really just kind of this hide and seek movie. 
and look up the deadly serious the monuments men and look at the cast there yeah i know that was a game and that was a spy game but it's like people it was whatever yes but let's but people thought it was going to be amazing yeah well it, oh my god star power how can it be better well here's how it's just well that's the not. thing it's that's why the thing that should t- temper everybody's expectations that is that it's john watts and nothing against john watts but the only thing he's really done so far is that b movie with kevin bacon called like cop like, cop something um and then he did uh the star the spider-man movies and it's just like okay you know, the Spider-Man movies are the Marvel movies are written by committee. So he right. really just did that Kevin Bacon movie that was all him. Could be great. I don't know, but you know, it's I'm not saying it's gonna be amazing, but it's I'm interested because it's no, those... I I think it's fine. And and this is as much about who who gets the material and puts it on their platform than it is about the the material itself. Because oh wow, the real story is if it's Apple. Oh wow, Apple! Apple's really cutting some checks here. I mean, yeah. like, like they don't have unlimited access to capital. Like, right. like, like they don't have unlimited money on their own, nor access to capital. I mean, right. By the um, way, iPhone 13. It's a really good phone. So you have it. I pre-ordered. I was up there at nine o'clock on Friday and got yeah. rid of that XR. And it is a. I will say, if even if you haven't, even if you're not doing it, iOS 15 is a nice quality of life lift i mean i'm not getting my new phone until sometime next year because i'm gonna get a new macbook next year so yeah 13 is pretty tough i'll just say so all right well we'll see um uh what was i gonna say uh the tender bar amazon sets release date for george clooney home to pick starring ben affleck ty sheridan and more. Um, I like Ben Affleck as a bartender better in extract than this shit. Probably. I mean, he I wasn't even getting... a bartender in extract. I thought he owned, didn't he have a didn't he own a bar? I mean, wasn't that wasn't he what, the guy he? in extract? Yeah, that was where they went to have drinks. No, I thought he was just some guy <laughs> who drank with him at the bar. I didn't think he was a bartender. Right. And I think he owned the bar. Oh, okay. I forget the name of his character. That that's a Dean. Did you read... His name was Dean. Dean, right? But he he was a bartender. He's also a pot. It's, it's not a drug. It's a flower. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you read what this movie's? Did you read what this is about? Uh, I have to adaptation of Pulitzer Prize winner J.R. Moringer's best-selling memoir of the same name tells the story of J.R., a boy growing up in Long Island who seeks out father figures among the patrons at his Uncle Charlie's, who's played by Africa, Uncle Charlie's bar, as his mother struggles to provide her son with opportunities denied to her and to leave the rundown home of her father, J.R. begins to pursue his romantic and professional dreams. Because when you're looking for father figures, Ben Affleck? The first, no, 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 no. Oh, a bartender? No, no. The first place you should look to are patrons of the local bar, of the local hole yes has anyone ever seen the Iceman cometh or read it or something like that i would i would hazard a guess that the last place one should go look for father figures is a fucking dive bar you know and, and that that and that are not just in for a drink and out 
and like you kind of never see them again and they tell you this sort of cryptic mysterious story that you recall no these are people that um visit it regularly well well those people are generally called alcoholics <laughs> so so let's let's if you're going to look for father figures please go to this go to this you know dump in long island or wherever the hell it is oh my god it is isn't it so touching that we're going to turn that we're going to turn these I, i'm just intrigued with how and george clooney's directing this it, 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 uh, th- this is a masturbatorial sort of but it's like um, he just came off the you know that space movie or whatever yes whatever, the midnight remember that um, yeah it had got middling reviews there was nothing right, yeah, right. It, it is it is people are oh george clooney will throw money at it and he finds this material i'm still sort of like really are we're gonna glorify this shit okay whatever i mean i'm just you know uh in other amazon news eddie murphy signs <laughs> three picture and first look film deal with you know, amazon I, studios i don't need to mean to be really down on a pulitzer prize winning book i'm just sort of i'm just sort of like yes please let's look to the common man um uh i i forget it anyway um but so yeah, yes uh, eddie murphy good job good job <laughs> who's who, who's writing all this shit for him i mean uh, did you um, see coming? So you saw coming to America too, right? No, I didn't. You didn't. Wow. Okay, I saw it. I heard it wasn't very good. I didn't really like the first one that much, outside of the the pastor and sexual chocolate. Cor- ah, first one was fine. The, the second one was not very good, and Amazon paid a <laughs> buck and a quarter for it. Yeah, but it's like well, and it was its most watched film ever. But like I, for that weekend, I just, I just like I, I didn't find the first one that funny um it was funny the script like, the script was kind of shit but it's but like I, mean, I just didn't like it's just it's not it's it's not the movie for me uh, like that you know and um so yeah like there, I, I, dolomite is my name was awesome it was I'm, great and and, uh, and if he ends up doing stuff like that that would be wonderful my impression is this is daddy daycare six it is going to be <laughs> middling family friendly shit oh oh yes i did see the haunted mansion in 2003 they played that at your brother's place the eddie murphy haunted mansion movie which is uh, to look at his wife for an hour and a half so there you go i mean she's fine but she's not that fine i mean who is she i think she's like she was great in the black knight she looked see, great in that i mean Anyways. Black Knight. Black Knight was what? A Martin Lawrence pay me $25 million so I can Martin Lawrence my way through it sort of yeah. thing, right? Okay. And, and Tom Wilkinson was in the Black Knight of uh, Michael Clayton fame. The, and the check, was, the check was big enough. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see Tom Wilkinson and Martin Lawrence and, and the... Um, Who's the One actor? Of these things is not well. The actor the that other. played the old grizzled captain in Three Hundred, whose son gets beheaded, like he's in it too. Um, okay, he, no he, fucking idea. I haven't seen. No, like Le- Leonidas is like best friend, who his and like his son gets beheaded in the movie, and he's like the captain. Um, 
he was yeah, he was yeah a, right he played, his name's like tony or something right yeah sure um t- tenosities or something um yeah tony um tony 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 uh netflix. i've done it again feel good yeah feel good every time i hear that i think of rick and morty um, see that's definitely not what i think of oh well netflix acquires role did you know you know when tony 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 like their first few videos sinbad was like in all their videos because that's good for him yeah sinbad did you know he had a stroke by the way and he's like he had a stroke like the end of last year oh well maybe that's what he gets for making fun of people that like can't speak so 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 hold on so i swear to god if you pull up a picture of sinbad now and you see him, he looks like Zippy the Pinhead with the way his hair cut is. Oh, yeah. You know who Zippy the Pinhead <laughs> The character, oh. character Zippy. Not a Zippy. Not, yeah, not Zippy from David Lennon. I mean, Zippy the yeah, Pinhead, the comic book character. Yeah, but like, um, he's all, I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he has turned into Zippy the Pinhead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, he had his, I remember watching First Kid when I was like nine. And you know, seeing House Guest, yeah, House Guest was much better than First Kid. Oh, yeah, well, House Guest is great because you know, it's a McDonald's commercial. Phil Hartman, yes, Phil Hartman, Hartman for sure. I am Johnny Cash, and I'm a gratefully recovering alcoholic and drug addict. Phil Hartman. <laughs> and then it cuts on, who does that? I just love whenever the sound effects are all off, he'll just do his little, like, huh? And the guy walks in front of the camera, friend of mine. <laughs> And I watched the thing from news radio that you sent me. Oh yeah, where he gets oh, you're sniffing liar. He's, he's rather angry. Yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah. I know he died when you were like two. Yeah, he, his wife killed him. Yeah. And like everybody loved Phil Harmon. Oh my god. I think everyone, yeah. I mean, God, he's been dead for almost 25 years. Jesus. <laughs> but also, th- I just think of all the shit he could have done in those 25 years. And I'm just like also bad for the environment yeah fucking it's dress but uh <laughs> he is referencing what is it phil hartman outtakes on youtube yeah it's phil, uh, type in phil hartman bloopers and Did, so it. so do your people like your age and younger are, is there an awareness of who phil hartman was yes because surprisingly they're like i recognize his voice and then i'll say something along the lines of from he, like was the in, Simpsons he was in the Simpsons. Oh, and it's like, wait a minute. You like, but it's like the Simpsons has this omnipresent. Yeah, right, right, right. Thing. Right. So it's like his voice sounds familiar. It's like, yeah. But like, I think people recognize him. Phil, he, he, Phil Hartman was probably the most versatile, like actor, sketch person in the history of Saturday Night Live. You could put him in any cast and he would work. And then he went on to do news radio on a number of other sort of TV spots and things like that. But his time on Saturday Live, um, incredibly, in that mid-80s to early 90s, was just phenomenal. But, like, it's so – he's – he is, like, you can just tell, like, he is so quick and cognizant of everything around him. Like and he, and he and he's very cool about it. Yeah, like, I mean, just like he's, he's ultra self aware, but ultra quick. But when he's doing when he's slapping Steve Seagal around and the sound is off and he just kind of, you know, he looks <laughs> at his hand and he puts his hand down and then like he's just like I don't know. There's like 
I remember there was one thing where I was in a, I was in a, this was high school and we were at a basketball tournament over the summer and there was a teammate of mine that we were on elevator. And I think I like told a joke or, or somebody said a joke or somebody said something that they did and they were like proud of themselves. I'm like, good job, man. Good job. And I kind of like pat his back, but his back was really sweaty and you can hear the shh, shh. And I just kind of go like, you know, I just kind of do that. But it's like, and it was kind of something where it's like, that is such a thing that when I watch the Phil Hartman bloopers and just see him do his whole, you know, thing, recognizing all the, you know, the off stuff around him, where it's just, and he just plays off so cool. And I'm not, no, I'm not saying it's like, oh yeah, I took that from him, but that was not something that I could even register in my brain as a thing that could be remotely funny or clever without seeing that. Um, uh, But I also know that like stuff you do, like when I did the dragon, like growl and then I coughed and you go oh what does he have strep throat or something and you do do that it's just kind of like just these very kind of and obviously it's not just Phil Hartman who is the um inspiration for that but a lot of those obviously Letterman quick but that but quick not trying to draw attention just totally like oh I know I can just throw that in there and I, it doesn't matter if people will recognize it. I just know that that's a really good thing. Like that's a really good. Kind the, of- the, the, the funniest thing I saw, he was on a talk show and, and, and it's not like I spit out loud, but, but it's the really self-aware comment. He was, um, he was on one of the talk shows, but it might've even been like, um, it might've even been like one of these morning shows, which like Bobby Lee would go on and just stir shit up or something. Yeah. Like, that. like Tom Segura does that. The, the, the local sort of thing. Yeah. So, so they're like, wow, Phil, it's been, you know, you're in house guest or whatever. And wow. You know, your career has really taken off and you've done this TV show and things like that. I mean, you, you know, it's, you, you know, how, how are you feeling? And he's like, you know, just letting you know, it's, it's just really not about the money about the things you can buy with them <laughs> <laughs> just it just says it like that which is that's great <laughs> that's phenomenal but i love i also love just because he obviously has this great voice but i just remember watching that clip from news radio and because he's abstaining from smoking and dave foley's character is abstaining from drinking coffee and he's trying to get him to stop he's like oh delicious delicious java joe chock full of nuts more like chock full of flavor and he's just <laughs> uh just this very sing-songy look but um but yeah so that was nice watching those because i hadn't seen those in a while but uh the other story had netflix acquires roll doll story company so they're gonna remake fucking charlie and the chocolate factory again and like, james and the giant peach and you know the bfg i mean i mean i thought that james the big fucking the giant i'm sorry was big done. friendly giant yeah but i mean i thought when they did james and the giant peach that was sort of like the best version that that movie could be that that sort of stop motion i don't know stop motion animation or whatever it was it's like it was like the trolls movie from seven eight years ago that style of it i'm like are we really redoing charlie the chocolate factory again i mean it's been done i mean first of all you're not going to top gene wilder as willy wonka that is looked upon as this fantastically mix of creepy creepy self-aware stuff um good day sir um and um and then do do and then and then um so then you're thinking well the only person that could probably redo this to even give it some semblance of 
oomph and it's like weight yet still keeping sort of the weirdness of it is tim burton and that he shit the bed making that that thing is with johnny and the death yes johnny depp johnny Johnny and the death johnny Johnny and the death sorry johnny johnny death i love that band um (laughs) (laughs) um um and so so he fucked that up and they're gonna redo it again i mean i mean you're not redoing gene wilder as willy wonka um jerome silberman yeah so you're uh that's gene wilder that's his real name yes jerome silberman yeah he's oh okay yeah he's he's jewish chosen people okay yeah yeah um did you not know that um i didn't think about it what why would i think that wilder would be his name but gene wilder the you know the first thing not the first thing i thought john wilder john wilder no it's it's not the first thing i thought obviously because i knew his name was gene wilder when i was seven but once my you know once i started to get smart smarter uh i figured his real name wasn't gene wilder and normally whenever i know somebody's real name isn't well somebody's stage name isn't their real name i always kind of assume that ah, they might be jewish and uh well from that era like they might be jewish and you know 80 to 80 80 to 90 percent of the time guess what they are um uh tony curtis yeah yeah exactly bernard uh, schwartz schwartz yeah um what was the most extreme one? It wasn't um no, because because um um Cary Grant was Archibald Archie, Archibald Archie Leach. Leach. Yeah. yeah. What was Danny Thomas's real name? It, I I don't know. It's some he's Lebanese, so it's something oh, okay, never mind. Uh ja- Jamie Farr of who who was sort of this uh he was on Ma- the MASH TV show that played Klinger, who, who had a very timely character. He would dress up like a woman to try to get like the crazy way out and stuff. And uh, wow, who who knew he'd be really connecting with the crowd in 2020? Um, um, Jamie Farr's name was Jamil Farah. Um, uh, Jamil. Anyway, Jamil. J A M E E L. Oddly close to Jaleel. Um, but uh. There's only one famous Jaleel I know. Yeah, same. Um, uh, the next story. But yeah, okay. Roll Doll. Okay, have fun, Netflix. Well, Roll Doll's been long since dead, and they're trying to like, hey, how do we make more money off of this? And Netflix like, we can write a check with a lot of zeros. And that family was like, sounds good to me. And so they're going to do it. I, I, I wonder, are they going to make, you know, we'll be really terrible as if they may turn James and the Giant Peach in this sort of nine part series or something like that. And it's like, it's a fucking peach, people. It's like, it's not nine oh, hours worth of Lenny time. Bruce, Leonard Schneider. There you go. Um, oh, holy shit, what a Jewish comic. No, who, who, who saw that coming? <laughs> what was the thing? Um, Mort Saul. Short, balding, funny guy. Jew. That's the Kevin Pollack joke. Oh, yeah. like, by the way, I am Jewish. If you couldn't uh, notice that from the everything about me. <laughs> <laughs> short, funny, he's like short, balding, funny guy. Jew. Um, but uh, the next story I had Fantastic Beasts 3 sets Easter weekend release date and gets a title. So it's going to come out Easter, uh, April 15, 2022, which seems very soon. Uh, considering the fact there's no trailer and this is the first time we're getting the title, but it's called Fantastic Beasts 
the secrets of Dumbledore. And you're thinking, what secrets does Dumbledore have? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. He's uh, gay. He we cock. know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I thought of that earlier today. I'm like, dad's going to love that one. <laughs> he loves cock. <laughs> that, and, and, and that was... Um, and that was a Norm McDonald call out, basically. Right Very there. strange thing to be proud of your kids about. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, Joe, uh, you know, my kid, he just graduated from Harvard Law, top of his class. You know, he's going to go work for his law firm. And, you know, we're so proud. I'm so proud. Oh, yeah. Also, you know, he loves cock. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Dennis, so, Dennis so, Miller. So hold on. The setup to that bit is where you see these pictures of people at these old gay pride, yeah, gay pride, pride holding pride. holding signs say i love my gay son no i'm proud we i'm proud, proud of my i'm oh, sorry i'm proud of my gay son yeah so yeah because it's like very strange thing to be proud of that you know they're they're gay you know so um, so, so so it's a funny little bit that's been floating around twitter upon his passing saying uh he was doing this show with who, who is um fuck who, who who's the tall guy but looking for the goose who was like uh, on uh, Hot Fuzz, who was uh, Ricky Gervais's Stephen boy. Merchant. Stephen Merchant. It's a, it's a swan. It's a swan. Ring. Long, slender neck, yellow, <laughs> yeah, black okay. bill. Right. Anything else? It's a swan. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so he's asking the question. He's talking about the term cisgendered. He's like, do you know what the term cisgendered means? <laughs> and he's like, or, or like cis. Yeah, he like, keeps like, saying, like, like what does cis mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what does cis mean? And Norm says, uh, you know, it's a phrase that's been uh, used, that's been created and used to marginalize normal people. <laughs> uh, another <laughs> one is, of the norms is great <laughs> that I heard on Conan, the the professor of logic from the University of Science. You remember that joke? No. So he's talking about, he's like, yeah, you know, I met my neighbor and, uh, you know, he's professor of logic, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, what's, how can you be professor of logic? What is, you know, what is logic? Well, it's a series of syllogistic, uh, you know, you know, let, let me give you an example. Um, I, you know, do you have a dog house? You know, I know he goes, you have a dog house. So I'm guessing you own a dog. And it's like, yeah, and I do own a dog. He's like, well, you, you own a dog. I'm guessing like, uh, you have a family. He goes, yeah, I have a family. And, uh, you know, with kids and everything. And uh, that, that probably means that, you know, you have a wife. He goes, yeah, you have a wife and uh, I have a wife and I'm, you know, so you're heterosexual. He goes, yes, yes, I am. See that just from knowing you have a doghouse, I was able to deduce that you were heterosexual. That's professor, you know, that's, that's logic. And so uh, he's telling this to Conan and he's like, yeah, it's professor logic down at the university of science. And Conan goes, oh, it must be a tough school to get into. <laughs> so then he's at the bus stop and this guy is, lighting up a cigarette and he he says uh i think this is coming back to yeah me. go ahead so then he i says, don't remember it but it ends with a bang the guy, the guy the guy lighting the uh, cigarette he says you know about time um by the time i light the cigarette you know this is when you always light a cigarette that's when the bus comes so you know it finishes the whole cigarette bus doesn't come it's like yeah that worked out real well for you and then he goes uh yeah well you know 50 50 and um so then he uh so then uh, he goes, well, you know, today I uh, met this professor of logic. He goes, logic, what's that? That's oh, a series. Of, so, uh, you know, uh, let me just give you an example. Do you own a doghouse? And he goes, no. Oh, so you're one of them gays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then obviously crowd goes crazy. Conan <laughs> is dying laughing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's a, that's a really good one. <laughs> so, uh, Next one I had is um, 
Well, I don't know. Re- regarding the Fantastic Beast thing, I have no expectations. I don't think it's going to be very good. Um, it's so. ter- that's a terrible title. Oh yeah, the Secrets of Dumbledore. I mean, I mean, I mean that really screams of a bunch of action. It really. Sc- oh, you're joking. Yeah, I mean, it's like who the but fuck cares? What, what what what's going to happen? The Secrets of Dumbledore. They're going to be like sit. They're going to be sitting in a room in a room with a high ceiling and you know all this stuff and it's like the end all right when what who gives that was my problem that was my problem the second one is like nothing happens in the movie i'm like there's better not be another movie where nothing happens it's like uh it's like the blair wish project stuff happens in blair wish project (laughs) people are pissed oh oh yeah (laughs) nothing's happening nothing i can't believe i didn't pick up on that i was (laughs) gonna say come on yeah nothing's happening um disney ceo there's a guy there's a guy staring at the corner of a wall and it goes black and we're all freaked i don't know when i saw that for the first time i was like yeah fuck this we're turning (laughs) on the lights and we're watching some cartoons i don't need this shit I was watching that. I was still married to your mom. And I was like, yeah, no, 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 no. Not going to bed. Nope. Fuck it. Nope. <laughs> um, Disney CEO Bob Chapek says COVID shutdowns reduce streaming content available in Q4. Warns Wall Street. Subsi- subscriber growth, not a straight line. Not a good outlook for my 130 million, 130 million uh, projection for... Um, thanksgiving so i I will tell you thanks a lot bob shitting on bob chapek more than ever now with the release of the uh so as a release to the parks with all this sort of paid fast pass and yeah if you want to go to this ride pay 20 dollars to get on it now and they're just like and there's going to be nothing in the parks and it's like yeah these are going to be some dark times over the next five to ten years because the the non-creative types which you're looking right here people it, the, the price is going to be paid. Um, I was going to say, who, who's got two thumbs and was right about this shit? <laughs> this guy. This guy. I, no, I'm just like, saying, it's like, he he is the biggest sort of Microsoft Excel guru. L- listen, I love me some Microsoft Excel too, but I'll be the first to admit I am not creative. And and the lack of, that lack of creativity. Wait, you said you're saying that as an example or you're saying you yourself are not creative? No, I don't, I don't think I, I do not have that creative spirit necessary for an entertainment and theme gotcha, park company gotcha, gotcha. that, I mean, frankly, how I don't creative think do I, you need to be? Just do what the last guy was doing. I, I, I don't think Iger was all that creative either. I think Iger just had access to a bunch of capital and could buy up a bunch of stuff, but. And he knew people. He was. Well, yeah, he, he had he relationships. Had a ton of relationships. He had relationships, but it's like, as much as people sort of slam on Eisner and um katzenberg and i guess frank wells the frank wells i think frank was, wells had taste frank wells was the well was he the, was the guy keeping the trains running yeah. all the time basically but yeah. but i mean um you know they did not lack in creativity whether you agreed with them or not they did not lack in a level of taste to do things i think that you know with all the imagineers like joe Rody and that fucking earring is and among others are all gone i, I think it's going to be a dark time so and then came the dark times yeah and yeah. then came the empire <laughs> no um but yeah well that's like they're trying to keep everything with uh black widow they're trying to keep all that in private like arbitrary or dep- depositions or whatever because okay. they don't want that to well, get released 
of course they are, because ultimately, whatever the outcome of that is going to be, it's going to set the nature of uh, compensation for all actors in this weird sort of mixed release paradigm um, going forward. So whatever the outcome is going to be, they need to keep it under wraps because that's going to essentially be the reset button being pushed. Yeah. And off of that, whatever that is going to be off of that is going to drive everything else, I think. So, um, Jesus, he just like, I'm, he sucks. I, I, I'm not mad at him though. I mean, because the board put him there. I mean, and, yeah. and Iger essentially hand chose him. He is who he is. And I'm not saying he does not have a role in the company, but, and, and of course you get to that level. You want to be somebody. Um, it's ultimately not, he's not a bad person for that. Been somebody. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what so, movie is that by the way? Isn't that on the waterfront? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen that part. And he's sitting in the back seat. Marlon Brando sitting in the back seat with a relatively famous actor who won at least one Best Actor. You know, George, uh, oh. George he's, oh no, Carl Malden. Carl Malden. My bad. I yeah, I was George never. I was never yes, Carl Malden. Um, yeah. Who I mean, did the? Who did in the early seventies with Michael Douglas? The streets of San Francisco. <laughs> Why are you saying a it? Quinn Martin production? No, it was just like an old cop show that was shot in San Francisco. Um, when yeah. Michael Douglas, if you can believe it, now this is before he caught pussy cancer <laughs> from eating out um, Catherine Zeta Jones in the early seventies. <laughs> just for the chance. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, the next story: I had Gabriel Byrne and Mira Servino join Lamborghini biopic starring Frank Grillo, filming underway in Italy. What year is it? Like I'm ha- Gabriel I'm ha- Byrne and Mira Sorvino. Who, who knew that a guy named Frank Grillo would get a role about you know it, a guy it, named Lamborghini, a, Italian sports car founder, Ferruccio Lamborghini. Ferruccio Lamborghini. So I'm looking at that picture of Mira Sorvino, and I just shake my head, and I'm just like, damn. Yeah, bro. she's had yeah, damn, had some work done. I'm a star. Oh yeah. Is it Broadway Danny Rose? No. Mighty no. Aphrodite, right? Mighty Aphrodite. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of other stuff. And then, then he puts it in my ass, and I'm thinking, uh, this is great, or whatever. This is what Hollywood must be like. <laughs> Something like that. Um, <laughs> and, and Woody Allen in that whole bit is like, dude, what are you doing? I mean, I know the whole bit is to be like, so, so you think that's, huh? Yeah, yeah, I really think that was, <laughs> I'm a star. Oh my gosh. Um, yes, everyone go on YouTube. Look up Mighty Aphrodite. Because um, she, won, she won Best Sporting Actress for that role. Yeah, I know. Uh, Gabriel Byrne will play Enzo Ferrari, Lamborghini's G- rival. Gabriel Byrne. That guy looks, I mean, he looks like. He's like almost 70, isn't he? He looks old as fuck. I mean, Robert <laughs> yeah, Redford's like, Robert Redford's like, man, you look old as hell. Robert Redford looks like. He looks like he's got that makeup from Black Mass on his face, except it's his actual face. Like Robert Redford. It's not that he's wrinkly, because but it's weird that he's like, he's got the wrinkles, which is the, when you're- The, jo- the jowls are starting to happen. No, when you're 85, like that's what happens. It's just weird that he doesn't seem to have like that sullen look. It's like he's still, it's like he's just, he's still like full face. 
And yeah, the jowls. The, you got the, the droopy, the jowl. <laughs> the droopy, the jowl look. I'm happy. I guess I'm happy. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. Like, that's just your opinion. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone is going to look like J. Pat O'Malley or something like that. <laughs> and it's the 80s. <laughs> God, that's an obscure <laughs> poll. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so 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 it's so funny. So so Rob, Robert Redford, um, he does. Uh, the, what's the movie he does? The was it the way we were, where he plays? You know, it's Barbara Streisand, and Robert Redford is the ultimate ultimate like goyisha boyfriend or something like that and uh robert and, redford yes with barbara streisand oh and this is robert redford early 70s where like a- every he's, woman he's as the, soon as yeah. he's walking in the room he, he, you know it's flash he, floods he, oh my god they're, they're creaming their pants more than a, whatever so so it's like yeah yeah so it's so a robert redford and barbara streisand um oh my god really hot couple <laughs> What was the Barbara Streisand? Uh, people, people who need people are the luckiest. What's the song? My favorite things, crisp. Oh I'm God, Barbara Streisand. Not I grew as good up, as. So hold on, I grew up listening to the fucking Barbara Streisand Christmas album. That I don't want to say came out in like the late '60s because 1979. You know, that's what you listened to was like a Christmas album. That and the Al Martino Christmas album. Al Most, Martino, Al Martino, exactly. Johnny Fontaine, oh, essentially Frank Sinatra. Yeah, but yeah. Yes. So, so his big Christmas song that's Frank, fr- frankly, become a Christmas standard is a song called "You're All I Want for Christmas." So, so uh, the Barbara Streisand Christmas album. She does all the standards, but she does song, She does this version of Jingle Bells that it's a whole bunch of jingle bell jingle bell jingle bell jing and it is like really uncomfortable to listen to it's like you didn't need to do this <laughs> wait a minute why does she have a christmas album she's jewish exactly well because you're selling money. to people yes what 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 are you talking about <laughs> listen if there was listen there's more muslims out there but t- no th- listen if you can make money doing um or, or what is it? Um, um, damn, what's what's the religion with the um, the the people with like the elephant and like the the one with eight arms and stuff that's big in India? Hinduism. Yeah, yeah. It's like listen, there's with a the shit. elephant and the eight arms. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. You know, it's nice knowing you. You know, I'm gonna be looking for a job here tomorrow. Um, <laughs> But but no, but I mean, there's a lot of people, and if you could sell into some sort of holiday musical album, I'm not Hindu, but shit, I know how I'll I'll do what I need to do to sell to a market. I mean, D- Deepak Chopra's Christmas album. <laughs> um, no, it's like I still love the Will Ferrell, Robert Goulet. My these are my favorite things. That's that's great. Um, uh, yeah, I I can't believe it took me that long to. Like, wait a minute, she's Jewish. <laughs> Has nothing. Who cares? I know there's money. I, I mean, how many Christmas songs did Irving Berlin write? I mean, is, he is had Irving... the most waspiest dude in the world. I mean, I mean, is there? I hang on, look, uh, Irving. Hold on, his name is Irving. First name is Irving. Born Israel by, by <laughs> He might be Jewish. 
His first name is Israel. Israel, yes. What's the giveaway there? Ah, you know, Israel. what was his last name? Bylin, B E, but it's spelled like B E I L I N, and then they have a they have a the, Yiddish the, spelling on the um. Thanks. And I guess if it can be translated to Yiddish, you might be Jewish. He died on September twenty second, eighty nine. So he died. Really, he's like a hundred, wasn't he? I mean, he was old as hell. I mean, yeah, he was one oh one. That's that. That's a really good wild turkey, by the way. Um, what one hundred one? Yeah, because it's hundred one oh. proof and it's relatively available everywhere, and it's not that expensive. Fifty and a half percent alcohol. Jesus. Um, Israel uh, by by This by is one. This is one. This Russell Reserve was one ten. I mean, it's fifty five. Um, although his family came from the shtetl of Tolochin. Tolochin. I'm sorry. I'm thinking Russia. Is my his guess. father? Yeah. His father, a cantor in a synagogue, uprooted the family to America, as did many other Jewish families in the late 19th century. Hmm, I wonder what was going on. You think? <laughs> matchmaker, matchmaker. Exactly, matchmaker. exactly. He was not looking for any fiddlers on the roofs. He was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Tradition, tradition. <laughs> More like uh, attrition, attrition. <laughs> yeah, a little uh, bit. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, let's uh, move on. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, um, but no, I, I'm just saying it's like, listen, there's songs to be written, doesn't matter. Um, right. But uh, yeah, no, the, anyway, with Robert Redford, that was sort of it. Have you ever seen this thing? <laughs> Have you ever seen this thing with Paul Newman? What are you laughing yes, at? Yes, I was just thinking of like, so Israel, this guy, Irving Berlin comes, he writes these Christmas songs, he comes to America. Louis C.K. told this story about his great grandfather who's Jewish, who came over to Mexico because yeah. Louis is right, yeah. he's half Mexican. Well, yeah. he's Mexican and Jewish. Well, his, his grandfather, yeah. And how his grandfather took this picture because he said he was Catholic in Mexico. And there's this picture of him on his like new house talking to these people. <laughs> he's just like, he's just got this smile on his face because he basically just got out right before like uh, World War II or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Wonder why he's happy. <laughs> he's got this smile. So I just think of, oh, yeah, this guy Irving Berlin, he gets out, he writes these Christmas songs, probably take it, you know, the, oh, yeah, he's taken with all these other writers just like, and just smiling because he got out. Um, and he's writing all these Christ this Christian music. But sorry, go ahead. No, um, <laughs> I, um, no, no. It's funny if you ever watch the Sting and you see movies from like the '60s and the early '70s, they have this weird look about them. And especially, did you ever see when you were in school? Did you ever see The Great Gatsby with Robert Redford? And, yes. And it's weird though because the way they're shot. I don't know if it's the film, but you see a whole bunch of shadows it, behind it. It just has that. It looks weird. Cheap and it looks like it was. Look. It looks like it was filmed at seven in the morning. Yeah, but yeah. it's like they never like. This it, thing, it's like, this sorry, go ahead. No, uh, but a lot of these movies from the early 70s is like you can tell they're so overlit, there's shadows behind them. You're wondering, you're shocked because it looks like the lights are right up on people. And, and it's like you're shocked that they're not, it's got to be 115 degrees in the fucking room where they're doing it because of all the lights that are on them and they have yeah. like sort of yeah. sweating through everything. But, um, well, that makes sense in The Great Gatsby because that's when all, because the summer, that's when like everything comes to a head and everything. Um, cause in the whole, they literally in the book, they describe like, they're just dripping sweat. And that's when Gatsby totally flips on the, whoever the bad guy is. Um, but no, the like one that Bruce Dern, the one that Bruce Dern played. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, in that, in that version, but go ahead. You were yeah, talking exactly. about the sting. 
No, but the, the thing about this thing is there are scenes that are shot on location that are outside that don't do that because it's like the only time you can really show on location when no one's around is like four in the morning or whatever. And that's the same thing that happened with like Godfather. And so that's that's where it doesn't look cheap and everything. So there's that. But yeah, Great Gatsby looks very cheap. And you I, can kind of tell I, when I, something's a set. But I just wonder, when did it turn from that look? Like, what was the movie that began that look? Because Godfather 2 does not have that cheapness to it. And and is that purely budget? I just wonder when did that when did all of a sudden go from flat, overly lit, I mean, it was looks pro- like hell. It was probably around that 74, 75, because you have like Jaws, Dog Day Afternoon, you have um Star Wars comes out in 77, and like Rocky but, 76. Rocky doesn't look like that. Rocky, you know, Rocky doesn't look like it, but you know, French Connection doesn't look like that either. And that was like Ooh, 72, se- right? Yeah, that was that was 71. 71 yeah that was 71. so i guess it's just budget but because I mean, french connection is the shit i, I haven't mean, seen that french is, connection but it, I know is, it is it is i know it's still considered to have good. one of the best car chase yeah, yeah car chase scenes yeah that um, and bullet are like the two big early late 60s early 70s sort of thing. there's another movie that i'm forgetting um but it's like oh yeah just all the 70 movies in 76 like all the president's men doesn't look like that i haven't seen network but i would assume network doesn't really look like that um like annie hall doesn't look like that and i know that's later yeah yeah well correct but have you ever seen manhattan no i know one of the most beautiful movies yeah i mean it's creepy but it's because he's like he's dating like a 19 year old or something 19 okay that's generous okay 16 or 17 uh espn replaces rachel nichols the jump with nba today hosted by malika andrews good luck I'm, i mean i mean rachel nichols is never <clears throat> rachel nichols rachel nichols that was really close yeah to... it was close thanks everyone rachel good night yeah let's put that gun in my mouth <laughs> yeah um rachel nichols was not the most charismatic person but i think she was comfortable enough with herself and her personality that she could kind of roll with stuff off the cuff um i think that uh, malik andrews is young and i'm wondering if is she gonna have the same ability to be have enough sort of improvisational i'm waiting for the rolling with it stuff i'm waiting for your like patented line about young people where it's like you I, said, I, I i'm just saying cute girl I, good luck i'm just I mean, waiting for like, the I've got, you know, hairs in my yam bag that are older than Malika Andrews. Well, that's that's clearly true. I would submit yeah. to you that all the hairs on my yam bag are older than Malika Andrews. <laughs> no, because you're like, I don't well, shave my yam bag. <laughs> thanks. I'm glad, you know, when Uncle Richard and Ben are listening to this, I'm glad that they will know that information. Well, I'm um, just saying. Um, uh, but it says, the newly minted show will feature commentary from regular jump analysts Kendrick Perkins, Vince Carter, and Zach Lowe, as well as reporting from Jump Mainstays, Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne. And it's like Kendrick Perkins, Vince Carter, and Woj are all kind of terrible on television. Ramona Shelburne's fine. Zach Lowe's pretty good on television. But it's like Kendrick Zach, Zach, Perkins- Lowe, Zach Lowe is better on podcasts than he is yeah. on TV because Zach Lowe is much better in the longer form. I need the time. The reason why he's such a good writer is because he has the space to get into what he's getting into the nature of what television is and ESPN is, Hey, you got 30 seconds, go. 
And Zach's yeah. like, and it's Zach's crazy. Like, what are you talking that's about? Why, I mean, that's, that's just why, not his thing. That's why Greenberg sucks on Get Up is because he cannot do that. He's terrible at it. He's incredibly long-winded because he spent all that time doing Mike and Mike and he does get up in the morning and he's, he's, he's fucking terrible. He's but, terrible. But that's why watching regular television for anything meaningful like that, like regular TV, are, are we all right? Yeah, no, do, we're good. Do you, need to, do you need to give her the Heimlich? <laughs> no, we're good. You okay? okay. No, we're good. <laughs> um, um, that, that's why to get anything meaningful. Um, I mean, the only show I would assume, though I have not seen it in years, would be PTI, but they just know how to get out their opinions in 60 seconds. Um, but I mean, a lot of these Your guys... Your boy, John Wall, did the Dougie for... Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but no, I mean, Zach Lowe is way better to listen to a podcast. Yeah. Um, Woj is a guy with information and his Twitter stream is good for the bombs, but he's just sort of like, this is what's happening. This it's like Woj. Shams. Have you ever seen Shams? Yeah. Like Shams isn't like the most charismatic dude. He's just an information guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Windhorse probably a little better, but they give him some space. No, no, no. But, it, but I mean, they'll give him space. I mean, his podcast is pretty good um, because, yeah. because, because he can sort of, he can go in one or two layers deep just about machinations, probably more so than Zach Lowe, who's more of a in-game, like heavy analysis of a game as -hmm. compared to front office um, machinations and stuff. And Woj is sort of what um, Windhorse is. Windhorse, I think, is just better. Mm. Not that they're great, but I think they're just better. Um, But Malika is just going to be like, what are you doing? And Perk? Perk, I'm just not. I just, I, I mean, he comes, he comes at the right he, price. No, Perk, he's a actually, mix of credibility and the, cheat. The, the problem with Perk is like, Perk is actually not bad with his knowledge. Like, he, he was one of the few guys who basically said, No, I think Oklahoma City is going to make the playoffs when Chris Paul was there. Like, he actually knows what he's talking about. He's just terrible on TV because he speaks in broken English, which again is not a good look for the black people around the world. It just isn't. Like, I'm sorry, but dude, like, speak. English. He's, he's keeping it real. No, but like you can keep it real and still be um what's what's the word? Still be coherent, you know? Like I'm not saying you can't talk in slang. I'm not saying you can't be yourself, but bro, like he's up he's over there stuttering and stumbling over words and it's like just not a good look. Like when he was on the panel for the NBA draft, I'm just like you got to be you got to be fucking kidding me. Like you couldn't get magic on there, you couldn't get Will Bond on there. Like just guys who just speak speak English. Like I'm just I love Perk, and this isn't a speak, thing. Guys who speak English. Sorry, speak, <laughs> speak clear. Speak clear English. Just like I'm. I love Perk. Why I don't do. you learn to articulate, you juvenile delinquent? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just uh, you know. Anyways, um, you get what I'm saying. And well, anybody, anybody well, doesn't what, get what I'm saying. Go on YouTube and tell you in Kendrick Perkins 2021 NBA draft. And well, that's why Malik Andrews is going to be hosting. Oh yeah, she speaks. She, so where, where very, she very uppity. No, where sorry. is where, where is where is the redhead going now? Uh, Rachel, wow, that's what, we're calling Rachel Nichols. Don't do that. She's she's part of the she's one of the chosen people too. Um, uh, oh, I thought you were going to say she's she's not really redhead anymore. 
And I would say she is by process. <laughs> oh, but no, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would assume she's going to go back to Turner, but no, but is she still under contract for with ESPN? Yeah, like, like they, they haven't. Have. Yeah, she's yeah, like they haven't fired her or anything. And it's like, what is she, are you just going to give her some podcast and just kind of let her just wither away? Like, or is she going to do her Rachel Nichols in <laughs> San Antonio, ESPN? She she's she's not doing that shit again. I'm currently in Brett Favre's front lawn. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. that was her whole career for two years. I mean, yeah. she was always yeah Brett Favre. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the deal. If she, here's the deal. If she sort of, Jimmy Shep, here's the deal though. If she actually like said, yeah, I'm gonna go independent, mm. and I'm gonna do an NBA podcast, but I'm gonna be an outsider, and I'm gonna keep it real, and I don't give a fuck. Oh my God, she could do great, mm. but um, but she won't. Um. You know, I, I, it would just be, I mean, I mean, if she, if she ends up coming out, just playing the victim um, and says, nope, I'm, I'm going to operate outside the mainstream, then she, she could do fine. I don't think she will though. Um, So the last two stories I have. So the autopsy came back from Michael K. Williams. I mean, speedball. Yeah, it's like acute intoxication by the combined effects of fentanyl, P, fluorofentanyl, heroin, and cocaine. It's just like... Uh, well, other than that, I mean, he's doing fine. Yeah, it was great. I mean, like, what? what, what, what you're gonna die. Like, what? you know... Well, no, no. If not for... The issue here is no one knows that all the shit, all the other drugs that in, if you're able to moderate it, you could just go through life as a functional junkie. Okay. Mm-hmm. No one knows that those drugs that you might do and just sort of roll through life and kind of exist. Mm-hmm. They have no clue <clears throat> as to the extent that they're being stepped on while this fentanyl is getting put in stuff. So fentanyl is getting put in everything. And <laughs> It's in and, everything. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We've got midgets. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it's getting put in everything. And then, so they're taking it and boom. Yep. Oh, well. Because it's just, it's just getting mixed in and it's taking people out. So I, I saw an interesting article that talked about, <clears throat> not article, it was a podcast I was listening to about a, a money manager. That Listen I, to the podcast. New yeah, frontier. I listened to a podcast that a money manager, and he was he was saying, "Where were we 15 years ago?" And he was sort of looking back, and he was like, "Yep, the Dow was at 11,000 in 2006. It's like in the mid 30s now." Um, and he was just talking about where interest rates were and things like that. But then he was saying, "Let's look at demographics. The average age, the average um, uh, life expectancy of a male in the U.S. in 2006 was 75.3 years." And the average life expectancy of a male in 2021 is 75.1 years now. Wow. Hello. And, and a little bit of that's COVID. Hello. Drugs. Drugs. Associated with depression, things like that. But throw fentanyl and stuff like that on top of it all. 
Um, that is, uh, well, so you know, that, you remember that, the, that, that isn't a whole bunch of everyone's eating chicken wings and dying of heart disease. Early. Right. That's but a you lot of drugs. There was that video that came out like five, four or five years ago on YouTube of these women in Ohio at this convenience store at the cashiers that were like falling asleep, like kind of white trashy women. And they're kind of doing stuff. And then you kind of see them just kind of go like, just nodding out. Because yeah. they were just so, and then like comments were like, "Oh yeah, look what the opioid crisis." So did look did at the you see the, of the video crisis. on Twitter? I might have said something. It showed a slow mo of driving down in Philly, and that street. It literally is a camera outside a window, and it's going at maybe at ten miles an hour, maybe slower than that, just through. And it is like a skid row sort of thing, of like about a minute, mm. and you know your brother and your. I'll call her sister-in-law's TV show was soft white underbelly, which mm. is a very um, disturbing uh, YouTube channel to watch. Well, there's another sort of soft white underbelly thing that shows this all. So it was like a little segment. It was like the one minute that was showing on Twitter was like a snip of this longer video. That's a soft white underbelly type of uh, show. Soft white underbelly is like, holy fuck what is going on out there in the world sort of mm -hmm. stuff um frankly um you me your brother and uh your sister-in-law could like uh uh there could be a whole thing on just talking about soft white underbelly and what is going on out there in the world but yeah man I, and and the thing about it is can you hear that yeah i hear something ringing or like yeah. a beep or something like that Hold on. you need to change the battery in a no uh, it's a vacuum okay <laughs> all right go ahead um um that's where i'm kind of like uh we don't appreciate or, or I, I don't know, appreciate gives it a positive connotation i don't think that you and i grasp the um I mean, one thing to be drug usage generally, I think it's a hell of a lot of people smoking weed, but I mean, I think there's a lot of people doing Josh Gordon, hard drugs. Yeah. There's and a it's manifesting itself um, by, I think a lot of deaths are just happening now and they're going to continue to happen. Yeah. And y'all get some therapy, please. What well, are you that's doing a, my thing about, like, I don't have a problem with people smoking weed. All right. I really don't. Um, especially if you're in one of these places where it's legal and everything and all that stuff. Um, the only, the only thing, and I shouldn't have a problem with it, but like guys like Josh Gordon who literally can't stop smoking weed and is sacrificing, call it $60 million just because he loves to smoke weed. Um, it's just, it just blows my mind. But the other story I had is Melvin Van Peebles remembered Spike Lee, David Allen Greer, Barry Jenkins among those paying tribute. To I never saw that movie. I never saw that movie that he did what sweet sweetbacks badass song oh yeah which is sort I mean, of like the the i think people say it kicked off black exploitation i don't know if that's the case i mean i think i don't know i think shaft when did it come was, out late 60s uh maybe early 70s hang on shaft came out in like 70 70 71 71 i mean this came out in 71 as well well i mean but uh, that movie might have come out, but when Shaft came out, Shaft Shaft also had the benefit of an Isaac Hayes soundtrack, and that theme song hit number one on the pop charts. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's when Isaac Hayes was sort of like, whoo. 
I mean, Isaac Hayes had written a bunch of songs in the 60s, but mm-hmm. then he was doing his own sort of stuff. And yeah, man, I mean, I mean, and he won like best, best song at the Oscars in 71. And that was like, and that was like, um, you know, before that, it was like your sort of, I would say, Barbara Streisand, sort of love songy stuff was winning. Mm-hmm. And then for Shaft to win, it was like, damn, okay. I mean, that was kind of, I'm like I say it was a sea change, but it was like, okay. I mean, people really appreciated um, that song. And then, you know, and that sort of kicked off because the following year, frankly, which I'd argue is probably a better um, soundtrack because Curtis Mayfield Superfly was 72. And Curtis, I, I'm a bigger Curtis Mayfield fan generally than maybe Isaac Hayes, but um, because everyone, you know, Curtis Mayfield, if you, I'm your pusher, and um, if you've ever um, heard that soundtrack, but the shaft is pretty significant in in the pantheon of stuff. Yeah, it, 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 there's a real bunch of shit that's out there, and I was at Apple. I haven't seen it, but people are sort of hyping up like, "Oh, '71 was this amazing year for music," and I'm like, "Really? Hmm, okay." But 2000, 2003 was an amazing year for music. 2003 was an amazing year? Why? You had Get Low in the club. You had <laughs> you had Lose Yourself. You had Get Busy by Sean Paul. I thought Lose Yourself was 2002. No, it was 2003. Because the movie came out in 2002, I thought. Uh, hold on. The album came out in 03. The single might have come out in 02. Yeah, the two, movie came out in a two, I thought. Yeah, so 2002. Yep, 2002 motion picture, but the album was 03. Okay. So 03 was a phenomenal year. Well, anyway, phenomenal. So, so 71 is kind of getting hyped up as like being this amazing, amazing musical moment. Dude, it was amazing. It was amazing. I was one, so I don't really remember it that well. <laughs> but, you know, a little Joni Mitchell goes. You're telling me your parents, your me. your parents didn't buy uh, the soundtrack to Shaft. I, take a guess. Do you, you think they did? <laughs> this is remember they were still rocking the Al Martino Christmas album. Okay, I mean they were yeah. not exactly rocking. And the, if I were to ask the, them, do you know the do you know oxymoronic, who Isaac, the oxymoronic Barbara Streisand Christmas album? Do you know who Isaac Hayes is? And they'd be like, no. And then if I played that theme from Shaft, they'd probably confuse it with the theme from SWAT. Right. So I mean they now, and and that's the thing. It's like it's not like my folks were like fifty eight and seventy one. Oh, you kids. No, my folks were <laughs> like 30. 32 and 29. Yeah. I was like, what do you, what? Because <laughs> no, my dad, would, he'd rather listen to the Kingston Trio because he liked that sort of. How does it sound familiar? Uh, no, Kingston but, uh... Trio is a, uh, they were big in the folky sort of stuff. Like like they, they were the three guys with the guitars that would go to the coffee shops and be uh um, what, what's what's the movie with Dennis My, Green Fung? What's that? Oh, uh, it's it's that inside style. the Lewin, yeah, uh, Lewin it's, Davis. It's, it's the Lewin Davis sort of oh. vibe. Uh, but where, uh, where everyone performing music was a commie you know, and they read Kerouac and I'm looking at the Academy Allen Ginsberg and all that. Yeah, shit. I'm looking at the Academy Award Best Song stuff and I'm looking at 1994's Can You Feel the Love Tonight and um, 
it's like it was funny because I was list I was working out and I was initially oh, wait listening. and you were working out to that no, song? That's no I was working out to <laughs> Circle of Life. So okay, but I originally had a Hawaiian roller coaster ride from Lilo and Stitch on, but then in the Disney summer song thing, it was uh, Circle of Life came on. Mm-hmm. I was lifting. I wasn't doing cardio. So um, I think that's actually more backwards. That's not even a good justification. But uh, it was interesting because I'm listening to that song. And I remember what you told me when we were doing the drive and we watched Lion King when we were driving to Cincinnati. And it was the first time I had seen Lion King since I was like all the way through since I was really little. And I remember because that song comes on is when they were going to start fucking. No, not can you. I'm talking about Circle of Life. I'm not talking oh, about Circle of Life. Life. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> they were fucking um no and it's the I disney remember, version of bomb chicken wow yeah exactly <laughs> um uh and i just remember the opening because the opening is that super heavy it's like oh yeah when we oh, came yeah. into the world yeah just that big and i remember you talking about it's like yeah when we saw when i saw this this was like this blew my mind like this is happening in an animated movie because it's just that big it's like because when scale it, was huge well it was just like when it was over and they do that boom and it's the red lion king logo right. against right. the black background and then i remember you said something and the movie never returns to those heights again correct that's basically what you 100 percent. you watch the opening of the lion king you're like oh my fucking god <laughs> this is gonna change the world Here's the logo. <laughs> and you're all hyped because I just saw the most probably amazing for 1994 Four. Uh, animated thing I'd probably ever seen from scope and scale. And they pulled this off. It looks amazing in the presence and the music. And yeah, Hakuna Matata. No, it's it's still <laughs> the, the problem. It's is, fine, but it's never the, the first problem, five minutes. The it problem is in the first five. No, minutes. the problem is the movie is probably still like a nine or a nine and a half. The issue is the first five minutes are like a 17. Yeah. But I just remember we're watching it and it's like, I'm like, man, I'm really getting into it. It's like, man, I, maybe I don't, I mean, I remember this not being this good. And then I just go, you just go, and the movie never returns those heights again. Right. It's It's like, it's not, it's not that good. (laughs) But it's interesting watching Waking Sleeping Beauty and how they're hyping that movie up in the press tour. Well, sorry, what movie? Waking Sleeping Beauty. Oh yeah. And and it's like, and and it's basically, yeah, like Katzenberg and everybody's just like, oh, we got something here that everybody's going to like. This, It's all come together. We got Elton John doing our soundtrack. And, you know, we got all these people. It's it's amazing. And then, you know, the lion attacks Jeffrey Katzenberg. And it's the, it is basically the, the, the bells or it's the, um, it's like the wind chimes before the tornado, because then it's like Frank Wells dies and oh, yeah. Katzenberg yeah. leaves to go do DreamWorks and they never really return to those heights again. And it's like, wow. Yeah, but- literally th- when they, as it was peaking, it was falling apart. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, Michael Eisner does his you know, welcome to this Sunday broadcast of, of uh, no, he does the documentary thing where he talks about the performance of disney and how the lion king is coming out and then 10 seconds later he has this massive heart attack and it's like jesus it's like literally just this we've reached this peak and we think we're just going to keep going it's like no so 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 when you're watching that show the biggest takeaway i get from that is what a i mean yes there's ego he works hard 
What a complete pain in the ass Jeffrey Katzenberg is. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, it's, it Basically, it's like Frank Wells' body wasn't even cold yet. Yeah. And yeah, he's like, room so I'm getting his job, right? And it's like, dude, like, what in the world? But but also, it's like, dude, relax. You're already worth $100 million at that point, okay? you Whether you have the title or not, you're one of the top five most powerful people in Hollywood. Who the fuck cares? But well, no, 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 no. It is, it is, it is hack and burn. I gotta be, bro. You've already fucking won. Yeah, yeah. You've already won. Nope, nope. Yeah, I just it's like Quibi turned out to be whatever it was. But, oh um, my god, Quibi. But then, you, but I did love... you know who bought the bones of Quibi? All those shows? No, Roku. Oh my They're god! They're just gonna slap okay. it all together and throw it up on their free thing. Well, um, they bought, I mean, they bought it for like a couple of coffee. Literally, it's like three Starbucks coffee. But I do like the ending. How in Wings and Beauty, when Don Hahn is basically like, you know, at the end of the day, people aren't gonna remember the egos and all this back stuff. They'll remember the movies and the and like the greatness of the. Then they'll remember the movies and the work of the people that you know made it great, and that's how it should be. And it's like, yeah, that is how it should be. And then they do that ending montage where I had my catcher in the rye moment and I almost was brought to tears and uh, which wait, wait, which part the ending montage of waking sleeping beauty, where they basically play part of your world. And oh. she does the, how will I know? And she does well, it doesn't help thing. that Howard died too. like not Howard. Howard. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Howard Ashman, Howard Ashman like dies. Yeah. It's like he dies, but then they do that montage where it's basically, it is the, the montage that starts with like the great mouse detective right and then it gets to the you know the sweeping shot of beauty and the beast and they're dancing and the rescuers down under the bird comes out of the snow and then it does the the hair flip and little mermaid and obviously it ends with the lion king and they're lifting the thing and they're playing part of your world and, and, literally re- just, and you were reduced to racking i'm, I'm like you know doing the sukiyaki looking up at the sky so my tears <laughs> don't fall down and i'm just kind of like jesus christ is actually like kind of got me here i can't be cynical about this which is the whole thing of Catcher in the Rye. And it's just like, yeah, I, that scene is just like phenomenal. And that was when a lot of my Disney cynicism stopped. And then Bob Chapek became CEO. So, um, yeah. Oh, no. My, I'm not going to say stop. No, 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 no. down. No, no, listen. When I'm watching Disney Plus and I saw the Imagineering story, which is extremely well done. For, mm. Frankly, if anyone has Disney Plus, if you have the opportunity to watch the Imagineering story, which is like a six-part documentary about essentially how Imagineers narrated crafting of stuff. Narrated Na- by Angela Bassett. And narr- but but some of the most remarkable, like in the first episode, it shows films of like Disneyland from 1955. I swear to God, it is the most, they've all been sort of cleaned up and stuff. It looks like it was filmed today. And I'm like, this cannot be, I mean, this looks so sharp. There's but something at, about stuff that's filmed that long ago where it's so clear because it's shot on film and right, not but, on video. No, but even if you look at something like the seventies and the eighties, Oh, film, because that's like videotape or something yes video takes off 480p you yeah. could literally take film and gas it up to 8k because it's film oh, okay got right it. which is what they did they they cleaned that up probably color corrected it to the correct thing 
made it's it all that for, stuff in the 70s it's all built 80s. for 4k all that stuff the is stuff in 70s 80s it's all going to be like if you got videotape you can't clean up videotape right i mean they got the did trust me disney has the masters that they can work from to do it so right. but but getting back to it the end of that is fuck where was i going with it they talk about all like about the, the marvel shit. they talk about like all the marvel shit they're gonna build that's literally what they talk about they talk about like guardians getting built and like star wars land getting built and Bob Iger's given his whole thing, you know, when we acquired. No, someone's... no. The cynicism yeah. is about how the most important thing they ever did was make Shanghai Disneyland. It's all about China, by China, for China. Ow. And we are whores for China because it doesn't matter about whatever people whatever Uyghurs you got going out or, or anything else you might be doing the great leap forward. Fine. Whatever you need to do, as long as we can get our theme park there and make as much money as possible, we are perfectly comfortable with whatever sort of ridiculous stuff you might do. <laughs> um, and so, so that is where the cynicism of did. Oh, trust me. I'm cynical, but, but, but I'm ultimately, saying- for a period of time, I was not as cynical as I, I was. I, yes, yes, yes. Well, but I mean, it was well before Chapek. You, when I saw Waiting Sleeping Beauty, and was not as cynical. No, no, no. no. But, 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 but I mean, when cynicism should have turned off would have been like, yes, when you recognize that they're they are so desperate to be in bed with the child. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it was just watching. Because a lot of those, I gotta, I gotta get that shirt for you, by the way. So, oh yes, the the Taiwanese, um, yeah. Let's see, let's see how long it takes to get screamed at. I thought it was gonna be a mask. Now it's a shirt. It's fine. A mask? What you wear a mask of the Taiwanese flag? Yeah, I thought that. That's what you said. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, either either way, it's fine. Um, but uh, because they probably don't have to wear a mask. I don't know, but um. I, but, but that also assumes the average Disney employee would recognize what a Taiwanese flag looks like. I don't think so. so. Yeah, well, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was all I had. I didn't know if you had anything you wanted to add, but um, nope. big game, big game this weekend. Very big game this weekend on Saturday, uh, NBC at 2.30 p.m. Um, the University of Cincinnati Bearcat football team travels to South Bend, Indiana. And they're going to go um, in front of Touchdown Jesus and try to, to do stick it to what, what should have been done to the Catholics over the last thousand years. No, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, okay, I wasn't going to take it there. No, I'm They're, just, they're traveling to Notre Dame, and they're going to try to beat uh, their former defensive coordinator and their former head coach. Yeah. Um, and I think Notre Dame is a two-point favorite. We're two point favorites. I thought I thought it was. It came out that no, B Fox Cincinnati. B Fox tweeted today. I thought it was minus two. No, B Fox. No, B Fox tweeted today that Cincinnati was favored by two. It might. It's probably going to change. Okay, probably going to change. I think the money's. I think it's going to be money rolls to Notre Dame. I bet you it'll be. um, I bet you'll be a pick 'em by the end of the by by the time the game comes. Because it was like Notre Dame minus one, and then it was Cincinnati minus two, and I was like, but but also equally as enjoyable as important as that, um, fuck the Steelers, um, (laughs) 
Um, got to see uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Burger, you, saw, literally. you saw the tweet that uh, not the tweet, but the text message I said I had in the group chat. No, I didn't. I sent you a screenshot of so it's a group chat between me, Uncle Richard, Gus, and Bobby. Yes, yes, yeah. I saw so the pick he throws to Logan Wilson. If you're able to find that, where he's literally rolling right and the yeah. turf monster gets him. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was gonna say something like that's just pretty much me when I get out of bed every day. I mean, <laughs> but but I'm like oh, Ben oh. Roethlisberger. You know, th- th- this is classic Ben because he's gonna do this and just look like complete ass. You know, come out and throw four touchdowns the next week when, he, that's- when he comes to Cincinnati. It's like he'll just he'll figure it out. Well, it's like the thing, but the problem with Ben is Ben is going through what Peyton went through, you know, five years, six years ago. His arm is just dead. Like his arm is gone, which which I'm kind of like, how is Tom Brady still like throwing rockets and launching darts, you know, Giselle bunch. Yes. That would that would be a motivator that and his alternative medicine trainer or whatever. You know, alternative yeah, medicine. Alternative probably medicine is Giselle's box. Cooch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the opposite effect of Catherine Zeta Jones. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Those healing powers. <laughs> I mean, hey, he won the 2016 Olympics. Yes, he did. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to end it. The, the, <laughs> we'll, we'll stop with Giselle's the magic, box. The magic nutrients of Giselle's, Giselle Bunch's box. That's great. Anyways, you can um please rate review and subscribe. You can find us find us on Twitter at the all at the underscore all underscore around or Instagram at the dot all dot around. Um still putting out great content. I think we kept this under two hours if you include uh when I had to step away. Oh yeah, probably. But uh talk to you next week. Yep, yep, yep. Peace.